Basically, since the middle of May, um, there have been seven seven different people speak, and each each person that got up and spoke um, sought the will of God for what to speak on, and uh, without consulting each other, there's been a crazy amount of overlap between uh, all seven uh, different people, and whenever the Spirit of God um, brings seven random uh, like guys to overlapping conclusions, um, we should pay attention to that. Um, we, should, we should really, like our dog ears should perk up a little bit and, and say, okay, there's something that the Lord is trying to communicate. It's one thing when it's, when it's one guy who is, is putting together a sermon series. It's different when it's seven guys who are not trying to put together a sermon series. And yet there's so much overlapping ground. And so uh, what I'd like to do tonight is kind of um, bring, bring the summer series to a close a little bit before we get rolling into other things. And um, uh, there was a lot of ground covered, uh, but, but I think a lot of it really just boils down to, um, to, to dealing with emotion. Mostly negative emotion, but just emotion in general is... Is, is kind of what all the overlapping ground is looked at. Now, when, like, for tonight, when I'm talking about emotion, I think that, that we need to, I need you to kind of know what I'm talking about um, in regard to that. So, so in, in the, like, emotion, like, it's, I don't know, like a gumbo or something, like, there's a bunch of stuff we're going to throw into it. Um, there's all the stuff that, that you would think of initially when you think about dealing with negative emotions, okay? It's so the things that, that you feel. Um, so we're talking about anger, we're talking about hurt, we're talking about anxiety, we're talking about fear, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but, uh, but also, uh, with, within those things are all of the, like, the mental triggers that bring about those feelings for us. Um, you don't just feel something uh, just out of nowhere and for no reason. Uh, there's something happens in our, in our brain, there are thoughts that we have, and those thoughts trigger emotion in our, in our body. Um, and so all that is, is thrown in there as well. Um, and there's also, we'll talk about this later, there's also a lot of just this lies that are in the mix as well. Uh, so let me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, we've talked a, a good bit about anxiety this summer and, uh, and just worry in general. Um, and so the, the emotion that we feel of anxiety... Um, comes from fearful thoughts that we have. So the things that we are afraid of, uh, that's, th- those are the, the thoughts that trigger anxiety in our bodies. So if, you're, if one of your great fears is, um, is that something, some sort of financial disaster will come your way in life, and you'll lose all your money, or someone will steal your identity, and your, everything falls apart, or you won't be, you'll lose your job, and you won't be able to pay your bills, and all that kind of stuff. If that's if that's like your area of, those are your fearful thoughts, then you stress out and worry about money constantly all the time. Um, if you are, are like completely fearful of, um, of some sort, something bad happening to you physically, 
then you are stressed out all the time about, you know, every, everything that, that happens to you. You know, you, you're, um, like I told the story about when I had appendicitis and how, like, I went to WebMD and, like, I diagnosed myself. Um, and I'm not normally, like, like that. But all of a sudden, my fears were, like, I was like, something is not right with my body. And my fear was, I'm going uh, to explode. So, so I went to WebMD, and I was like, that's where my anxiety was showing up. But it was rooted in a fear that something was really, really bad, you know, going on or whatever. Um, and so, uh, so anxiety and fear are, are related. Anxiety in the body starts from fear in the mind. Um, another, another example would be, um, would be dealing with, with anger. You know, anger would be an emotion that, that we, wanna, we don't want to, like, live as angry people. Um, but people aren't just angry just to be angry, you know. There's always a reason for that. And so anger often starts um, in, in our mind because something happened to us that was out of our control. Something that you could not control happened. And that made you incredibly angry. And usually what happened to you that was out of your control hurt you deeply. And that hurt leads to being anger, angry and bitter and, you know, whatever. And so there's a mental, there are mental triggers for the emotion of anger. Um, if you take the emotion of just being insecure in general, there are triggers for that. Insecurity comes from, from doubting certain things. And so you may doubt that you are uh, important to anybody. You may not think you're valuable to anyone at all. So you become insecure in all of your relationships. You, know? you, may, you may doubt that, that God is as gracious and compassionate as everybody says he is. And so you become insecure in your relationship with the Lord. You, might, you, you begin to, to doubt that you're pretty enough or athletic enough or smart enough or creative enough or whatever enough. And so you become insecure in those different areas of life. And so emotion, what I'm trying to say is emotion is not like... It doesn't come from, from just randomly out of nowhere. It comes from very specific places in our mind and very specific lies that we believe. And so all that stuff, when we're talking about emotion tonight, we're talking about all those things kind of mixed in together with one. And I think that a lot of what, what God's been bringing to the table is the fact that um, for people who are called to live by faith and not by sight, um, we are bullied by our emotions like a lot. We're, we live in this emotionally driven culture. And I mean, you look at our, look at entertainment, look at where we spend our money. I mean, look at, look at, just look at those things. We are, I mean, Hollywood completely has us pegged as humans. They know that we are, com- we're just complete saps and suckers. And they keep making movies and TV shows and whatevers. And it is completely playing to our emotions. I was going like, to use examples, but I'm like, I'm always scared to use examples because if I use examples, then like, Everybody who watched The Bachelorette would be upset with me and feel like I picked on them and stuff. So I was like, oh, no, I better not do that, you know. So, uh, so I won't do that. But, um, uh, but we're, just, we're so driven by that. And so, but as the people of God, okay, I think God looks at us and says, okay, um, you're supposed to live by faith, not by sight. Live by faith, not by feeling. Live by faith and not by whatever. But yet if he's going to bring seven different preachers up here to talk about all these different things, maybe we have a, maybe we have a problem. Maybe in our church there's an issue that we need to address. 
And so what I want us to do tonight is, is to kind of bring a conclusion to all those things. I want to look at, at basically try to answer two things. I want to look at, at how it got to be this way. Okay? Why, are, why are we bullied by our emotions so much? And then what can be done about it? Because because we have to understand the problem in order to understand the solution. Okay, and in order, in order to understand all that, we're going to go all the way to the beginning. So let's go to Genesis one. If you have a Bible, we'll go to Genesis chapter one. Um, this uh, while you're turning there, this is not working. So where we go? Um, we're going to use something a little different on the screen tonight. I didn't. It's my first time I ever use it. And so it's going to be a little smaller. I didn't really know. It was huge on the laptop. So uh, I didn't know until we got in here that it was going to be small. But I think this may, there may be some, it may help visually in a little bit. Uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about. We're going to start at the beginning to see how things got to be this way. Let's look in Genesis 1. Turn verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay? So here we are. Um, he's made everything else and now he makes man. He says that he makes man in his image. Okay? Now, in a discussion about emotion, there's some things we need to, to look at. Okay? So look at this. Um, we're talking about... Um, being made in the image of God. You go. You go to the next one. All right, I'll talk about it. It'll get there in a second. Um, there it is. Okay. Oh, I saw that. What? What? Okay. All right. All right. God is emotional. Okay. And when I say God is emotional, I don't mean like He's so emotional. You have to roll your eyes when you say it. Uh, like he is emotional, just meaning that he has emotion, that God's not a robot, all right? That, that God, he, he feels, he thinks, he has, he has opinions, he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, um, abounding in steadfast love. Uh, he has compassion on all that he has made. All these things that we see about God all throughout the Bible, about he's full of joy, he's also full of wrath towards sin. Um, God is an emotional being, okay? So when, when man is created in his image... That's one of the things that he shared with us. He didn't share everything, um, but that's one of the qualities that he shared is he made us emotional like he is emotional, okay, in, this, in the same ways in Genesis chapter 1. So emotions are not inherently evil. And, and we need to, to be established and in agreement about that, that what, what God has been bringing to the table over the last several weeks and what I'm bringing to the table tonight is not, let's take all emotion and like, look at it as being evil and let's throw it out the window. Because that's, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Because that would go against the way we were created. Okay? Um, but we, so we have to, to recognize that emotion is, is not a bad thing. Okay? But it has come to play a role in our lives that it's not supposed to play. And oftentimes, that is the role of bully. All right? So that's what we're trying to deal with. Okay? All right, so let's, go, let's keep going. So we're in, in chapter 1. All right. Yeah. Okay. It won't do a whole lot of that. So if you get motion sickness, don't worry about it. Uh, all right. Let's keep reading. Um, look at the next verse. Verse twenty-eight it says, "And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth.'" And God said, "Behold." 
I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Okay? So, so here's, here's, the, here's the situation that Adam and Eve are in. They are created in the image of God, okay, sharing all these qualities that, that He has, in His goodness, been willing to share with them. Um, he's placed them in a place that has all the food that they would possibly need, and he wants them to tend to the garden. They have all these, these animals, and they're to, to, to rule over them and, and uh, to see to the garden and to be fruitful and multiply. That's their life. Okay? Pretty good gig. Right? Now, within that, there, are, there is emotion, and there's this one verse in chapter 2, that I think describes, uh, we tend to focus on the wrong part of it, is 2.25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, we like to focus on the naked part, so, all right, there it is. All right, let's push that out of the way. But look at the ashamed part. There was, they weren't ashamed of anything. They weren't, they weren't hiding things from each other. They weren't hiding things from God. There was, there, there's this innocence and this purity about their existence. They were living in this in this paradise, uh, like physically, all right, like all around them. How beautiful it must have been! This paradise, considering that God was living in the like walking through the garden with them, but also this this emotional paradise where there just there were no walls between them. There was no skepticism. There was no wondering what your motives are. There's no, you know, no none of that kind of stuff. Everything was was there. There was just nothing to be ashamed of. So, that, that's God's original intent. And emotionally, that's, that's the goal, for us to be unashamed. So then we go to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. This is where things begin to go wrong. Now, this, this is verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Did God actually say, quote, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Unquote. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, quote, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to the eyes, and that the tree was to, be, was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Okay? Now, so here's... Here's, there's a pattern that we see unfold uh, right before us that helps us understand um, like exactly what the problem is with emotion. Okay? Um, Adam and Eve were, were also given another like, quality of God. Um, and I haven't read this in theology books, and so, um, so this is sort of me going on in my own theological direction. But I see God as being um, not only a God of, of emotion, but he, he has choices. That he's able to choose what he wants to do. He knows all the possible scenarios and he knows which one 
is the best of all possible, and He chooses that one for us. Um, He chooses you and I to be His children. So He's a God of choice. Adam and Eve, were uh, they were not robots either. So not only were they emotional, but they also had choices. And one of the choices they had, which was to, um, to obey God or to do what they wanted to do. So choose God or choose themselves. And at that, at, at that point, the fact that they could choose... That seems like a good and a bad thing for us. Because I think part of us wants to think, why would you give him a choice? Because everything would have got messed up. But if you didn't give him a choice, then, then they're robots, right? So here, here they are with these choices, to obey God or do what they want to do. And so Satan comes in, and the first thing he does is he establishes a lie. And the lie is, that what God said is not really what's going on. That lie creates doubt. I'm kind of reading between the lines. But Eve had to doubt what God said. So the lie becomes doubt, and the doubt becomes insecurity. Because she's like, no, no, he said we could do this and this and this, and Satan's like, no, 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 because... He don't want you to eat of that because then you're going to be just like him. And she's like, oh. Hmm. And so she becomes insecure in what she had grown to trust, which was God and what he said. And her insecurities led her to act in a way that was her choosing herself. She became self-reliant and driven by what she wanted. So the lie becomes doubt, and doubt becomes insecurity, and insecurity becomes sin in the form of pride and self-idolatry. See, that's, a, that's the pattern. That's, what, that's what's so destructive about it. That's why emotion is, is something that's so dangerous for us, because it is a pipeline to pride and self-idolatry for us. Because you think about, think about how many, like, think about the things in your life that you absolutely hate about yourself. Okay? I don't mean like you wish you were taller or whatever. I'm talking about like, like the things, the, the continual, the patterns of, of sin and disobedience and struggles that you have. The things that, that if, if God were to come to you in a dream and say, I will change one thing about you right now and you'll never struggle with it again. That, that thing. You can retrace that same, that, that same, um, series of things in that. Because every action is coming from some sort of unhealthy emotion. And every unhealthy emotion is coming from some kind of lie. And so you can trace those things back down every, every single time. We don't go around, as, as the people of God, we don't go around and do stupid things without a reason. It's a very common like counseling methodology to say, okay, well, uh, so so you're doing this and you want to stop doing this, okay? Well, what what is it? What is it about that? Like, why? What sort of you, the counselor will kind of ask questions, kind of narrow down. Okay, where? What's the unhealthy emotion? Is it you know? Is it anger? Is it doubt? Uh, is it is it hurt? Is it fear? Is it whatever? And you start to dig. You know, you kind of get down there and you start to dig down deeper into that. And somewhere 
down below, there's, there's a lie that you've come to believe. That you're not important. That you're not good enough. That you're not worth anything. That you have to work really hard to keep people's approval and favor and all this kind of stuff. It's, just, it's deep within us, these lies. And they show up in all these unhealthy emotions and all these prideful, self-idolatrous actions. What we see there in Genesis chapter 3 is the same, I mean, it's the same stuff we experience today. That's, that's the problem. Because Adam and Eve had kids, and then they had kids, and kids and kids and kids, and that was passed down and passed down and passed down. So every one of us is born into this same situation where these unhealthy emotions are coming from these lies that we believe. And it often starts when we're very young, and we just keep adding to it. And then, and then our one, one person's unhealthy, like sinful and idolatrous you know, actions then hurts somebody else, and it keeps starting. And then it hurts somebody else, it keeps starting. And so we're in this society where everybody is constantly going through all this emotional stuff. And so here we are being bullied by these things that are complete lies all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And it's complete emotional chaos. And so you look at, look at, look at their response. Look at the next verse. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They're hiding in the trees. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid, fear, because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. I mean, what a... What a, what a radical shift in emotion that has happened because of the sin that has entered into their existence. All right? Now, look, this little diagram may, may help us. It may not help us. We'll see. So before, they were completely unashamed. And then there, that's the tree. Like I said, it was much bigger on my laptop. Uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And after the tree, they're hiding, they're afraid, and they're ashamed. The, I think that understanding this problem is a lot of why God's been bringing this out in, in us. And I think there's so much of us, like, I think we, we, we probably don't all consider ourselves to be emotionally driven people. Some of you, even in these last few minutes, have been like, I'm not driven by emotion, I'm not driven by emotion. Yeah, you are driven by emotion. Just... In, in your own time, work through that same pattern we just talked about. Find something that you, you wish you could change about yourself and find the unhealthy emotion that's driving it and then find the lie that you're believing at the, at the root of it. That's where it comes from. You're emotionally driven. We are. Not God's design. Before, nothing to hide. Now, all this emotional chaos. And there's a theological like, term that we need to understand. It's called total depravity. All right? And, and, and I hate this term so much, obviously, because it says depravity. I mean, I don't know. So a uh, long time ago, uh, these theological geniuses came together and put all these terms with things, right? 
Uh, and total depravity is, is it's what it is. Um, and we tend to focus on the depraved part of like the word, right? We live like, oh, I'm, like total depravity means that that we're we're as absolutely as like as bad as we can be. And that's not what total depravity is about. That's why it's misleading to use that that term. Total depravity, the focus should be on the on the total part, meaning that, that we are 100 um, percent affected by sin. Every single aspect of our lives has been affected by it. And there's nothing about us that's unaffected by sin. That's what total depravity means. So you, you take a mason jar with water in it, you put a drop of red food coloring in it, and it like the entire thing is pink, right? Not like, oh, it's like half pink and half whatever. No, that food coloring is coloring the whole thing. That's our entire existence has been affected by it. That's what total depravity is. And the reason why I bring that up is, is because I, I think we have, to, we have to have a fundamental understanding of emotion and where it fits into things. I, I believe that, that too much of the time, um, we think of the fall and what we just read um, in terms of like a legal... Legal separation from God, okay? Uh, Adam and Eve went from being innocent to, to being guilty. And the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death. And so, um, so when God told them, uh, don't eat of that tree or else you're going to die, he didn't mean physical death, he meant spiritual death. And so we, we think of, of redemption in terms of, of, that, of setting that right, you know? That, that we were sinners, and then because of, of the cross and what Jesus did, that now we are set right again, and uh, we are legally um, okay with him. And we also uh, think in terms of sanctification as being like, okay, now, so we're set right with him, we're justified, but then we go through this sanctifying process, or this maturing process, where he, um, he changes us and he helps us to be more holy and more Christ-like and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think sometimes we, we, we forget the fact of, of how holistic this is supposed to be. It's like we make exceptions in our lives to the fact that through Christ, uh, this is all fixed. So the solution, we've been talking about the problem, so the solution is the next one. It's, just, it's, it's through Christ, this all changes. Okay? And we have, to, we have to keep in mind that the redemption that, that Jesus brings to us is not just in regard to, to sin and justifying us. It is about sanctifying us, and that sanctification involves every single part of us. So yes, it's making you more Christ-like. Yes, he's helping you overcome some things. But it includes our emotions as well. That Jesus redeems our emotional lives. Okay? Look at this verse in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. May he sanctify you completely. May your whole body, everything about us. And so we can't think of sanctification only in terms of certain issues. We have to think sanctification holistically. So he's helping, he's helping um, us to become more Christ-like, not only in our sin patterns, but also in our thoughts and in our emotions, that everything about us is becoming more Christ-like. But I think too often... We kind of just feel like, well, you know, I, I, I'm just an emotional person. Or this is just kind of like the way I am, you know. Or um, this is, this is uh, everybody in my family is this way. You know, we're kind of all this way and this, you know, whatever. 
And we just completely rule out the fact that Jesus wants to, to do this. Go to the next one for us, Nate. Um, he's bringing you back to the garden. He's bringing you back to chapter 1, chapter 2. Like through Christ, all of this is going, it's going backwards. He's bringing from total depravity to total redemption. Like, and so I, I think sometimes we feel like parts of our lives he's doing this, but parts of us he's just kind of leaving alone. And that's not, that's not, that's not correct. That's not abundant life. And there are people, and there are people in this church, and I know this because I talk with you and, and our staff and our elders and our community group leaders, we, all, we know each other so well. There are, are plenty of people in our church who parts of their lives, they're, they're working hard, they're digging in to take their lives in that direction, and there are other parts that are just parking it on this side. And they're saying, uh, well, you know, I don't know. This is how I am. And Jesus loves you how you are, but he doesn't want every part of you to stay the way you are. He's not going to come in and change your personality, you know? He's not going to like take you and like take you from being like like super strong or whatever, make you a complete like person that you don't want to be. He's not going to change all these like things about you. He loves the way that he made you, but there are parts of you that he wants to bring in this process of going back to the garden and totally redeeming every part of us. I think that's why he keeps coming back to this. Because in a culture that's so just driven by emotion, he's like, my, my people that I died for are not to be bullied by emotion. You're not to live by emotion. You're to live by faith. And I think that within our church, this is an issue. And I think it's one that God is ready to like, get in there and to deal with. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it is anxiety or fear or doubt or just insecurity in general. A lot of odd times, I think it's hurt that we're unwilling to deal with. Um, the way that you deal with that through forgiveness, I mean, that's all so much of going that way. And a lot of times people say, no, I just kind of want to be hurt. It's like, nope, that's, that's not what God wants from us. He wants to bring us that way in this process. I think that's why he keeps just like tilling this up over and over and over again. And about halfway through the summer, you know, we were just kind of laughing and be like, uh, so how are, you gonna, how are you bringing up anxiety in your sermon this week, you know? Because it just kept coming up. God's like, we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. Like, I'm not, I'm not letting up on this at all. And so we have to understand, we have to understand this. We have to understand that this is a part of God's plan for our lives is to take you from being someone whose emotions are completely rooted in lies and, and unhealthy behaviors and all this kind of stuff, and, and to bring you back to a place where you can trust your emotions again. Don't, don't you hate that about, about life sometimes? It's when you're like, Man, this is how I feel, and, and I know that it's wrong, but there's just, like, there's just nothing I can do about it. This is how I feel. I'm paralyzed by it. Jesus, Jesus looks at that and says, no, I, I, I can fix that. I will fix that. You just stop being so prideful about your own, like, stuff, you know. You just let me, let me into it. And invite me into that struggle. Invite me into 
the, the pain and the hurt and the anger and the, the doubt and the fear and the worry and the, the shame and all that. I mean, it, like, let me come into it. Let's start bringing you over to back to, you know, back to Eden. So we're, so what do we do? What do we do about it? Turn to go to Proverbs three. Proverbs chapter chapter three. If and and I like I said, I believe that everybody in here battles this. And you can you can dismiss it if you want. You know that's fine. Everybody battles it. Some probably battle it more than others. Everybody in different areas. But if. If you're kind of in that place in your walk with, with the Lord and your existence in this church, and you're like, okay, if I hear one more word about this, I'm going to blow up. Um, then I, th- I think that this is for you. All this has been for you. But there's so much of the time I, I, I feel like we, we, want, we, want to, we want to do something. And... You'll never hear me get up here and say, look, you follow these four steps. And everything will be okay. And that, what I'm about to tell you is not the four steps to emotional freedom. All right. Or however many I'm going to do. I don't know. That's not what this is. However, since this is a sanctification issue, is progressive sanctification, um, this is something that is done in, in tandem with the Lord. All right. We had nothing to do with saving ourselves, but we are directly involved in our spiritual growth. It's not that he does everything, we do nothing or that we do everything. He does nothing. We are working together with the Lord. And so so if you feel paralyzed by your emotion, there are there are ways out of that. And so the Lord is going to um, to basically this is is basically what's happening. Okay. Although, because of the cross, we have every reason to live unashamed, um, there's a lot of us that are still hiding in the trees. Because you're ashamed and you're afraid and you doubt and you whatever. And so the scenario is this. You're in the tree line hiding. God is out in the open saying, come on, come on out. And you're saying, yeah, but, yeah, but he's saying no. You come on out. Come, just come out of hiding. I've made every everything is okay out here. I've made it all. I'm making everything new. I'm making you new. But, but you're gonna you're gonna have to take some steps out. I'll show you where to step and how to step and where and all this kind of stuff. And I've smoothed out everything so there's no there's no like booby traps or there's nothing nothing bad gonna happen. But you're gonna have to actually physically step out and just trust me. I feel like these verses are a great way for us to really like to figure out what's my role. Okay, here's here's a good role. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Verse five is really just Solomon's way of saying live by faith and not by sight. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Just just trust him. I mean, how many songs do we sing on Sunday nights about the faithfulness of God? All the time. And it's great. He's, he's faithful. He's good. He's honest. 
There's nothing, there's no reason to, to doubt him. He has no like trick up his sleeve. He's not going to call you out of the woods and like smash you with his giant fist. Like it's just not, it's not what's going on. If he's saying, come out of hiding, you have nothing to fear. He is absolutely right. So you got to trust him. And don't lean on your own understanding. He's basically like, just, just don't, don't trust yourself. It's not saying hate your emotions. Because our emotions, like I said at the beginning, they're not inherently evil. They tell us a lot of important things. You know, they're, they're, they're good. But they're not more trustworthy than he is. And that's the danger. And that's where we often mess up, is we tend to trust our emotions more than we trust the character of God and the word of God. And that can't be that way. Live by faith, not by sight. Live by faith, not by feeling. Live by faith, not by lies. Live by faith, not by whatever. Fill in the blank with whatever. Just live by faith. And so what, what essentially it means is, is saying, like, okay, even though my, my feelings tell me this, and circumstantially this is what's going on, and, and uh, these are the patterns that I, I've seen, and these are all the things that I'm worried about, and, and my doubts and my hurts and all this kind of stuff. And I take all that stuff, and I put it to the side. And I trust you more than I trust that. And then, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And maybe that means, in all things, like it, pray, like involve him in everything that you're doing. Don't try to like be your own man or your own woman and say, I, I could deal with my emotions myself. No, acknowledge him in that. Involve him in that. Make that how you're, you're praying. But also, like I said earlier, maybe acknowledge him means like, like, letting, like bringing him into those hurts and doubts and fears and anxieties and worries. Bring the truth into those things. And one of my, one of my like fears that is in the back of my mind is that I'm going to turn onto my street. I think I've talked about this before. I'm going to turn onto my street and my house is going to be on fire. I don't know why. We didn't have a house fire growing up. There's no, I, I don't know. Maybe I watched Backdraft too many times or something at some point. But there's no reason why that fear is there. But that's like one of the things. And literally, every time I turn on my street, my, as soon as I can, my eyes look down there to see if there are fire trucks. I don't know. I'm weird. So, but let's say that if that was a paralyzing thing for me, and it's, it's not. I just, it's definitely not paralyzing. But if that had gotten to the point where it was like super unhealthy and I was like, couldn't wait to drive home fast enough because I was really convinced of it, and I bring, acknowledge the Lord in that, bring Him into that, I say, oh, where is the truth in this? You know where the first truth is that's going to go in my mind? It's just a house. It's just a house. That house has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. On the new earth, that house will not be there. It's just stuff. I have a really, really good base. And it would burn very quickly. It's just a base. On the new earth, won't matter. Kingdom, doesn't matter. It's just stuff. And as soon as I think about that, my house burning down, while it would, like it, I don't know, it wouldn't be the greatest day of my life. But when I start to think about that, when I acknowledge God and bring truth into it, it's like, well, if it burns, it burns. And if my house ever burns down, you guys but don't forget you said in your sermon, if it burns, it burns. 
But if I trust Him in that, and I don't trust anything else, and I invite Him into all that stuff, my path is going to be straight. He's going to bring you in that straight path from one side to the other. And so maybe this becomes a part of your, your daily prayer. If God is, if He's, like I've said before, if He's like, like in this one area of your life and He's put His finger on it and He's just like steadily like pressing in, holding pressure on it, like this. You need to deal with this. We're going to take care of this. And until you do, I'm not letting up. Maybe this is just, okay, fine. I'm going to pray this every day in regard to this part of my life. Maybe you don't know where to start, and that's when you find somebody in your community that you trust and say, I need to talk to you because I need to deal with this and I have no idea where to start. Maybe this is something you've never prayed about or never thought about, or maybe you just dismiss it because you think you're not emotional, or maybe you just want the sermons to talk about something else because you are so emotional and you're just terrified of dealing with it. I don't really know. Um, All I know is seven different speakers over two and a half months God has put on the same page to talk about this topic. And we've got to pay attention to it. We have this amazing God who wants to bring us from total depravity and through Christ to bring total redemption into our lives. And that's not selective in certain parts of our life and not parts of others. It's holistic. It's all of us. I know that I've talked a long time, and I'm sorry about that. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm all right, I'll preach it, I'll preach it. Uh, I'm not real sorry about that. Because I've been out there with you for the last six weeks and been seeing this pattern evolve and thinking, like, God's up to something. He is up to something. There's no, he would not make this much overlap for no reason at all. And I don't know, and I'm not putting everything on any Sunday that's led up in here or this Sunday or whatever. It's a, it's a part of the progress. It's a part of the progress. Don't, not to be like cheesy about it, but seriously, don't hide in the tree line. Jesus didn't die for you to hide in the tree line. He's bringing us out into the open. So we need to have the humility and the trust to live by faith, not by emotion or sight or circumstances or whatever. To trust Him. Alright, let's pray together. God, I'm, I'm grateful that you've uh, that you brought us on this journey together over the summer, and um, you know that, that tonight kind of brings some conclusion to it as far as what is preached about. Uh, but we know that for many of us, this is just a, con- a continued part of our journey, and you know that we battle with emotion, those unhealthy emotions, especially just getting the, the better of us and bullying us and pushing us around. And we thank you for the freedom that you brought into our lives through the cross. And God, now, honestly, we're, just, we're ready for more of that freedom to be unleashed into our lives, uh, for that to become more and more real to us, for there to be more healing and restoration for us to, like I said, to step out of that tree line and realize that you've you've made everything okay.
and by trusting you and not trusting anything else. That those unhealthy emotions, they, they, stop to, they stop pushing us around so much. They stop carrying so much weight. Those lies stop being so believable. We ask that you just reach down deep into us. Continue to tear out those lies that we've been believing for so long. And to replace them with the truth of your goodness. And your grace. And the fact that you alone are faithful. And so whether tonight is is the beginning of healing or just a ne- another step along the way, um, I pray that in our closing time together as we just respond a little bit, I pray that you would you just have your way in this room. You tell us that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. So I pray that we would have humble hearts humble minds, just open to whatever it is you have for us.